0: <clears> hmm. <throat>
1: It looks like the um so I have like two mics. I have my like desktop
2: like in a directional dipshit mic. And then I have the like, the like the one that's built into the headset. And it's recognizing the desktop one but not the headset. But I can hear everything through the headset, so I don't know what the fuck is on yeah, But you, it seems mind. to be fine.
3: Yeah, to me you sound uh, as you Go. normally would.
2: Okay. So it seems fine. Yeah. Um, All right, yeah.
3: hi, hello I'm mm. oh, having a coca-cola. The beverage isn't a sponsor our I am
2: drinking a uh, marble hard seltzer, the cucumber lime one. It's delightful for everyone home. It's right. a very low it's a four point five ABV so I'm just it's a summer it's a summer drink, you know?
3: yeah, I figured I could have a Celsius. I was sleeping about twenty minutes ago. I'll drink i think if i had a celsius though i'd be up till about 4 a.m so oh. it's like 200 milligrams of caffeine <laughs> it's like three cans of coke in like one of those red milk cans <laughs> it's crazy um ah so let me try up my headphones so i can hear you better all right ah now there's other people listening to us as well. Actually, there has been for four minutes. So anything you said in the last four minutes and thirty seconds,
2: delightful. Um, Hello, our- I mean, we can do it like my work Zoom calls where we do our our, our check-ins. How are how how's everyone doing today? Yeah. Any news?
3: Yeah, let me readjust How are you my bit. How are
2: you doing? I mean, you and I haven't ch- actually, like, I mean, jokes aside, we yeah. haven't actually said hello to each other in a minute because I was on vacation. Yeah, that's
3: right. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, things are going good in, in, in my life, I think, around here. Um, uh, I'll elaborate at some point, for sure. Um, I don't know right now. But I will. Well, some
2: of the tweets looked fun. Some of the tweets you've been making lately (laughs) have looked really Uh delightful.
3: Exactly. (laughs) And that's why I'm going to pick the correct moment to elaborate. But um, on top of all that, how. before before I ask about the trip itself, uh, I, I heard you've collected some audio from your your field trip. Is that is that true? Oh
2: yes, yes. No, I, uh, I I unfortunately have been kind of busy, so I have not had a chance to decouple the audio from the video because otherwise the files are huge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, yeah, when I was in New Orleans, I uh, just uh, I recorded a bunch of street sounds cool. uh, wherever I was. So like if I was at the bar, or if uh, like a a band was playing. Sometimes it was just hey, I'm on the ferry, and I just want to record all the ferry sounds. So uh, I'm I'm very grateful that um, I didn't just go with my partner. Um, my uh, my partner's uh, friend. Uh, was celebrating a birthday so uh the friend came with us and we the three of us had a delightful time we had all kinds of fun uh we went to uh uh not just like we went to like bourbon street a couple times but we really tried to go off the beaten path um i think that's the kind of uh folks that me and uh me and my friends are so we we had a delightful time. So I record a bunch of audio. I'm really excited to kind of dive into it. Um, there was a really nice rainstorm, which uh, I mean, we just had a rainstorm here in Santa Fe yesterday. But you know, it's really light in Santa Fe even yeah. when it's a heavy rain. Right, it's not a heavy rain like it is along the Gulf Coast, and certainly I'm sure what you experience in Florida, right? Yeah, and wild. so, like having like a real rainstorm, which I haven't had in a little minute, uh, you know, coming from California, we do get some pretty good rain. Um, so that was nice. It was really nice to just kind of walk around, and it felt like I don't want to be like I felt like like an Instagram star, but there were parts of me that I was like, I'm like dancing around in the rain. Like, sure, maybe I've had a couple of a couple too many shots of chartreuse before i did that (laughs) doesn't change the fact that it felt magical right like um there's a part of it that feels um i think especially when we're on vacation right we want to like live our best lives whatever the fuck that means yeah so like we want to take in the experiences do things that are out of the ordinary maybe even push ourselves out of our comfort zones right like whatever that might mean um Anyway, it was, it was delightful. So I'm really, I'm really excited to share that. Um, Awesome. Yeah,
3: (laughs) that's really, that's really great. I'm really, I'm really glad that uh, you got the chance to do that in, in, in New Orleans, which is a city to do that in. So, um, and and hopefully you got to take some in uh, some of the culture and stuff too. Did you see some of the like uh, historic, did you take any tours or anything like that?
2: oh yeah no so we uh um we didn't exactly do any like guided tours we just kind of did it on our own right like uh that's fun uh the folks of us who were on the trip are kind of internet nerds so i think we all kind of had our own ideas uh very delighted actually to share a couple of things because they i feel like they relate to the reality tv aspect so uh um Uh, uh, My partner is a big foodie. Mm -hmm. Um, They themselves used to work as a chef. And so their whole big deal was like, let's go eat, which I'm happy to do because, again, I'm stuck in the desert. So seafood is, of course, a, a major delicacy here. Yes. And having grown up in L.A., like dollar oyster bars were... The common thing. And so here in the desert, dollar oyster bars are actually scary. They're terrifying. I would never go to one. Right? Yeah, it sounds like
3: a real hazard, honestly. It sounds yeah, like right. sounds like much like a sand trap. You just try to Right? It. Yeah. So um uh we actually watched
2: some we actually watched some TV um in anticipation of the trip. So we watched all of the Anthony Bourdain No Reservation episodes around nice. New Orleans. Nice. Um, we watched Treme. Um, which is the oh, yeah. show that's, like, uh, by the same guy who did The Wire, yeah. um, which takes place in New Orleans. I rewatched a movie called Closed for Storm, which was, a, uh, and I've talked about it before. Mm. It's, a, it's a documentary about uh, Jazzland, a amusement park, which was in New Orleans, which was really focused on locals, then was bought out by Six Flags to be like a tourist attraction, but then Katrina hit. And then when Katrina hit, that amusement park basically became an albatross around the neck of the city, and they had no idea what was going to happen to it. So I watched that ahead of time. Um, On the way back, um, when we came back from New Orleans, uh, one of the... uh, Places we wanted to go visit was Lee Harvey Oswald's house in New Orleans. We didn't get a chance to go to it, but when we got back, we watched Oliver Stone's JFK back to back with uh the Irishman, which I think we mentioned when we (laughs) We recorded the episode with Danielle, um, but we didn't like really go into detail, but Again, as far as like the whole New Orleans thing, I myself am a big uh, William Faulkner fan as far as American literature. So he wrote his first few novels in New Orleans when he was a young Bohemian so we went to the Faulkner house. Um, we went to like Pontchartrain. Cool. we went to well, we went to a few different places and, we also went to a lot of restaurants, which is, I think, the big deal. Um, we went to the Mosquito Supper Club, whose chef just won the James Beard Award for like best restaurant in the US. Wow. Um, it was amazing. We had like this amazing oyster soup. Uh, stuffed crabs, um, a buttermilk ice cream, which was delectable. I also want to shout out the fact that a Santa Fe chef just won the James Beard Award for Best Southwestern Chef. That's at... um, Uh, his name is olea his last name is olea i don't remember his first name um but he is at sazon
3: oh sazon oh yes yeah yeah yeah
2: no delightful food Been there three or four
3: times that place and the sauces okay so just just give you a little basic concept this is like a super super cool restaurant it's like one of the coolest top three in my mind in santa fe um it's like a spanish inspired restaurant but he makes a series of um, molés, uh, four usually per night, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. each one, there's like a sweet, like a savory, there's ones to complement the different dishes, and man, they let you taste all the different sauces if they bring them out at the beginning, sort of let you kind of taste them with some bread, or uh, I can't remember exactly the method, but you get to kind of taste them, and then you get to kind of uh, look at the menu and see the dishes paired with each of the molés, so mm-hmm. you kind of have a mm-hmm. concept within, it. it's a brilliant concept, an amazing restaurant, and I went there over several years like once a year and it was always the same beautiful experience yep. in fact it only got better every time i went so yeah
2: definitely deserved it they have great cocktails i mean that's usually actually why i went um mm-hmm. uh, like no offense to sazon but like for me like there were like food trucks in santa fe where i was oh, yeah. like their carnitas are better like again like yeah. not not hating right but For me, it was like, I'm also like on a limited budget because I have the budget of an organizer, right? So like, not exactly making the big bucks, right? But nonetheless, uh, loving the food and the restaurant industry. Um, I myself, I'm just like a big fan of the restaurant and the service industry here in Santa Fe, always giving a big shout out, Um, always over tipping. Yes, um, big, even on my rule. limited salary, I'm always mm-hmm. like, um, I tip my bud tender extra, like, just cause it's yep. like, always. yeah, because I also know there's a bunch of assholes in this town who probably don't tip. Hell right. Yes. And it's like, you know, uh, anyway, all that is a way of saying like, Saison is really great. So they got their James beard best of Southwest award. We went awesome. to mosquito supper club. We went to some of these other actually reality TV type of, um, uh, restaurants. We went to Troops, cool. which is this um, again, another big restaurant that has like a celebrity chef, has like a thing. All I knew was that like they were like serving me cracklins and I'm like, this is Chichavron. Like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? That's what and it so was. So. My <laughs> second time. Yeah, this was like my second time in New Orleans. So I don't want to say it's like culture shock, right? Like right. I was ready and I was like, you know, I've read enough about the town, etc. But not a place that i've spent a lot of time mm-hmm. in and so uh really getting to know the history like the spanish uh occupation i'll say of yeah, new orleans the yeah. french yeah i didn't know either right but like all of the th- that was something i found really interesting which is that a lot of the streets in the like french quarter are labeled like when the spanish were in charge here this was known as you know whatever the fuck you know um so that was really cool and i found that really interesting uh had a chance to actually talk to the bookshop owner at the faulkner bookstore about that because i was like that's what i'm interested in what book can you recommend so like we picked up some history books and cool. I, I don't know it's just really cool and i'm just delighted i had a lot of fun awesome um My biggest regret is that we didn't buy any chartreuse when we were there. So I immediately came home and started searching for chartreuse at our local local liquor stores. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They were very helpful. I walked in and said, I'm only looking for this. And they're like, here it is. And I'm like, okay, bye. (laughs) They were very friendly.
3: For anyone at home that's interested in uh, the restaurant we were speaking about earlier, uh, a way that I can highly recommend checking out all the coolest restaurants in Santa Fe is actually the Wine and Chile Festival that they have up at sort of the opera. It's like 200 bucks, yes, but you get to try out basically as much as you want of all the wine you can drink. On, so that's a thing on its own if you're interested. But also you can get basically get like the coolest appetizer from like any fancy restaurant in town and like all of them. Um in like all you can eat basically for four or five hours like as much as you want and nobody cares and it's like it's like a bacchanalia like imagine imagine if mm-hmm. you 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 wish there was a vomitorium here because the, the the crowd participation everyone would be down for it that's what's going on here it's wild um
2: yeah and shameless plug i have a buddy who works at a like food blog here in town called los foodies magazine.com and they do a bunch of like focus on like local new mexican cuisine green chili type of thing they did the uh i think it was called like the chile and chocolate festival it was down at like sandia casino cool. anyway like i'm i'm a big fan of this stuff because it's all really the same thing yeah. right it's like it feels like there's gonna be like a top chef competition every time which you know there's always like a Posole competition that, that kind of thing and i i personally love it right because it's just one it's good food which i love to eat personally just big fan um but yeah anyway like uh i'm also just really i don't want to be all like john taffer about it but Uh like it is really important i think to support our local businesses and sometimes that's like uh kind of a controversial opinion in like our leftist organizing spaces that i'm in but it's like no this is like really important this is how people make Money and this is how they make their living. And, yeah. I think about know, Chile
3: Toreto. Every time I think about a small business in Santa Fe, I think about Chile Toreto and their delicious tacos and their wonderful, beautiful little f- family of, of of people who put that together. And I don't know. That's my favorite. Women
2: owned business, business yeah, and run. Like, I if I'm going to put my, like, why would I ever go to Taco Bell when Chile Toreado is right there? there right. Know. Like, you know, so anyway, that's just a shout out. So anyway, I've had a delightful time. Um, and uh, really been thinking a lot about like, um, I think because like I have only mediated New Orleans through media and through the news and like having an opportunity to like really spend like a whole week there and kind of seeing it through this like new lens of what is reality, how do we craft it, what are the stories we tell about a place. Um, And then in these last few days, I've, uh, you know, last week we interviewed Danielle, but I never read the book, right? Right. Like I hadn't had a chance to. So in this, since we've interviewed her, I actually made a concerted effort in my spare time to read through the introduction, the first few chapters, and I've been having a delight. and it is really interesting to see how even without having read her book ahead of time we've kind of come to these same conclusions yes. right so there's something yes. that feels like we must all be right if independently we're coming to this it's like Leibniz and newton arriving at the calculus like, we, didn't, we can't be wrong
3: exactly and like we came to and this is this is exactly and we came to a a lot of these conclusions from various different directions i mean because the all the directions happen in front of these microphones so you could go back and listen to how we discovered any of these things even when i was looking at the um like i didn't read the whole book until about two weeks ago so anytime anything we said before then that lines up and when i was going back and reading the book i was like oh wow we discovered this thing we had a different name for it but like this was this and this was this and i love that like it was um It shows that there are patterns out there to recognize that we're just like cracking the surface of. And when we really get in there, like I made a bunch of notes, um, which I think I actually might get into next episode because it's like a million topics that uh, are probably best in their own little container. But it's ideas for things that we haven't even talked about on the show yet. I spent time just thinking about categories of show uh, we'd never even discussed or mentioned. And I came up with like a gigantic list. So when we're ready to like crack into like volume two of like what we're going to look at. And I'm keeping all those things like in a I'm, I've now silenced myself on talking about any of those things. And I can see them on this little this mirror here in front of me. But I'm not going to they go on a little slip and they get stuck on there. And then I'm just going to like not think about them because I've just I've come to the this well is endless which means that we just need mm-hmm. to focus a little bit and i'm trying to w- take everything we've mentioned so far and we'll come up with our big uh, thesis on that and then we can move on to like incorporating the extended universe you know of uh, well what's interesting about else. you
2: saying right that it's like endless is because like that's one of the like essential thesis of the book right mm-hmm. which is that reality tv is a mirror of society Yes. Right. So it's as complex and as varied and as um, I, I, I don't, convoluted, maybe yeah. is the word I want to say as society is right. Yeah. Like um, it's both um, strengthening these societal norms while at the same time challenging them because by highlighting this is the societal norm it can't help us but beg the question well what's outside of that right like why is this person having a hard time fitting into this real housewives of atlanta paradigm it's because they don't fit in and i think we can all sort of relate to that because none of us fit in Like like that's the whole pro like that's the I'll say like the crux of American individualism, which is where you're both celebrated for being an individual, someone who's doing something on their own. At the same time, like because you're not conforming to the society and being an individual, that's reason to mock you, denigrate you, tear you down, right? The tall nail is the one that gets the hammer. And even within right? the social
3: groups, you have the subgroups, and then you have the same exact thing happening mm-hmm. there, too. Exactly. Like,
2: the, the, yeah. the, the outlier is also the outcast Mm -hmm. is also the outlaw is also the like avant-garde right so how do you as someone who's trying to exist in that space deliberately how do you you know how do you kind of navigate that so that you're not too much of one or the other because that's also part of mediating that Um, i think people who are on like a stage think about that i myself as like a I'll say a normal human being who's like on my own stage, but not a television or a broadcast stage. I just do whatever the fuck I want. (laughs) But I wonder if that's not also, like like if there's not some kind of like um, audacity that's been given to me I say given to me, but, like, incorporated because I've been able to see these folks get away with it. Yes. Um, I think I've mentioned this before. Like, it wasn't Obama who taught me, a woman of color, that I could attain the presidency. It was Donald Trump,
0: Hmm.
2: right? That, like, if that fucking dipshit can do it, then I certainly can. I never thought that I was, like, on the level of, like, a constitutional scholar from the University of Chicago. Right. I could never be Obama, I could certainly be Trump, though.
3: Exactly. Oh, well, you can be much better, even. Well, At the...
2: <laughs> I mean, again, we're talking about the like low bar, right? If if certainly. Obama is the low bar, I could never do it. If Trump is the low bar, yeah. no problem.
3: Exactly. And I actually, I actually, um, I've been thinking about this recently. I have a little bit. I just made a couple notes here, and we're gonna. Um, I've been thinking about this in the. Uh, in the world of content at large uh podcasts movies videos television otherwise um all content is essentially something to kind of like tap into for a little bit of time while you like think about something movies tv whatever you're entering i mean there's research on it but essentially you're entering what is called a hypnagogic state if you're uh, focusing on okay. one of them let's say if you're watching two things you're not doing that if you're you know i don't know doing your homework and listening to a podcast you're not in that state but Um, maybe you are no you're probably not you're probably fighting struggling to do your work uh, at best Um, uh, but the hypnagogic state is something that's very interesting to me because if you can enter it with a Hollywood movie that takes 200 million dollars to make 90 minutes of something or just 90 minutes sitting down with this podcast that costs you know I don't know the fractional cost of whatever it took to Purchase this laptop and the mixer and the microphones and stuff like that, which is ultimately still just free at the end of the day, I'm going to say. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, If you can get the same result from both of those things, then you must ask the question, what is the point of doing anything other than just like something that just like flips a switch and turns turns someone's brain into that state? And so if that's the question, then we're just kind of like, yeah, on the run-up to that, if, if, if our um, small our uh, intellectual conversations are enough to amuse your brain for a little while, then, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it makes me ask everything. And, and even this, the, the AI uh, language thing that you brought up in the last episode when we were talking to Danielle, um, I've since looked a little bit just onto the surface of some of that. And the realism and the accuracy that it can bring to a lot of things shows me that and i asked this question even in that thread when i was thinking about this it's not that long before ai is just you know 20 years maybe 15 years before an ai is just generating an actual podcast about like i don't know all the wikipedia articles you might like within 60 minutes and it's generating it on the fly dynamically just for you or something like that like i mean it makes me wonder like if we're at like you know, the the beginning of a content revolution or realistically at the very end of any chance of user-generated content, or even, not only that, if the AI-generated content becomes so good that the desire for any user-generated content is is so low because we can never create content that pushes the brain button as much as the AI can actually generate content for us, which I think... Well,
2: I have a couple thoughts yes. on that. Okay. And I want to relate them to a couple of, like... Um, I'll say tropes. Mm. One is the um, a thousand monkeys at a thousand typewriters trying to recreate Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, Two is even just this like fiction or reality that is described by like Blade Runner of how we determine what is human and what isn't right right because this to me is also related to why catfishing works Mm -hmm. or why nigerian prince scams work okay right like like it's because we're crafting some like i don't know like alternate reality or something um that seems maybe more comforting than whatever reality actually is um in my like like quote unquote in my real life i'm unlovable i'm single i'm fucking spending hours on tinder but in my instagram dms there's someone who's in love with me Mm. and they're giving me all this attention and why wouldn't i want that to happen uh danielle even mentions this in one of it in the chapter on coupling where we don't just get to imagine ourselves as like the good girl, we get to imagine ourselves through like The Bachelorette or The Bachelor as the good girl who also has this fucking multimillionaire who's in love with us, who wants to take us to Cancun on his private plane, right? It's like, it it like expands that Cinderella fantasy beyond like, oh, I have a partner or I have some like simple life fulfillment to I'm not just like married with children and I have a white picket fence, I'm married with children. We have a private jet and we're gallivanting to like castles in Paris or whatever the fuck, you know, like something about that is like this I want to escape into this reality. Somehow the reality becomes possible. Reality TV gives us that. We see how normal humans get to do that princess diana i think is another one of those examples where a normal human gets to live out the cinderella fantasy if she can do it why can't i
0: mm.
2: right so I, I don't know there's something about that like weird liminal space of i'm a normal human how do i get to be a reality star something about america i'm a temporarily embarrassed millionaire right well, like yeah something about i'm about to achieve greatness but uh, like like that's the deception is you don't need any of that shit to achieve greatness like the greatness is literally like voltaire said intending your garden like, we're, we're being lied to i think by trying to search for something quote unquote greater when like the greater thing is just like i don't know breathing in air
3: there's like the <laughs> having
2: thesis. a Yeah, being being surrounded by our loved ones, right? Like, isn't that what these reality people are searching for? Isn't that what like, the bachelorette is about or the bachelor, right? They're searching for true love. And if we already have that, and we're trying to be deceived by like, no, but you don't really have it because it's not on TV. I'm being lied to. And that is also something actually that I picked up on Danielle's book where she was talking about like the small C conservatism that reality TV reproduces in our lives of like these gender norms, these family norms, these social norms. I've just been, I've just been kind of reeling, I think, since her conversation and since diving into the book being in new orleans being back home i I don't know i feel like i've just like i don't know i I, i'm not sure that i have any closer touch with reality than i did a couple weeks ago
3: that's something that i uh i was just about to kind of yeah um let me when I, when I figured we would name the program Reality Issues, when that kind of popped in my head, and I asked Kathy if that was okay that we named that, the program that, I thought that, you know, one day, if we didn't want to talk about reality television anymore, it would still work because we could basically talk about anything in the way that we do, and that it would still basically, we wouldn't need to change the name. And... You know, I don't know how long it is before we don't focus on reality television anymore. Maybe it's years, but I don't think that we need to actually focus on reality television specifically as long as we uh, don't feel like it, which could mean that one episode we don't, the next episode we don't, and the one after that we do, and I just want to set ourselves free. There we did. We just did it. Take a deep breath, Kathy. This podcast can be about anything.
2: Well, also what Danielle tells us, right, which is like, well, and even what we actually said in our very first episode, that any creation of fiction cannot be divorced from reality because it is created by us. So, like, tautologically, philosophically, uh... Ontologically, I don't know how the fuck to describe it, right? Like, I'm sure there's smarter people with better vocabularies than I have. But if we're creating it, it can't be false. It Mm -hmm. can't be fake. It can't be a fiction. It has to be somehow grounded in our reality. No matter how creative we are as human beings, we actually can't imagine something outside of what we experience. This is the, I I think, the the heartbreak. (laughs) Yeah. Of being it's trapped in our of, human bodies. Yeah, it's right? a failure
3: of fiction. Yeah.
2: It's success too, though, right? Because it's like we can imagine these different worlds. Like we can go to uh, Middle Earth. We can go to uh, the planet of the apes. We can go to Blade Runners, Los Angeles, yeah. right? We can go wherever. We can even travel back in time. And we do this all the time with like not just Jurassic Park. But even with this new um, Attenborough documentary about the rise of the dinosaurs, right? It's like it's a complete fiction, quote unquote fiction. It may be based in fact and science, and they uh, consulted all of these paleontologists, but it's still a CGI imagining of what we think that was what it was like cool. we still we still aren't 100 percent sure right like some new evidence can come out tomorrow that tells us oh no actually the t-rex had giant arms yeah. you know like like that might happen i mean it won't right because i mean there's enough evidence at this point but you know creationists will tell us that those people that the, those people those, dinosaurs those, people, didn't those
3: exist. people those tyrannosaurus people they were there are highly under uh represented in today's culture we don't take enough care to talk about them as people tyrannosaurus rex
2: that's what the t stands for no i'm just kidding i that i don't want that to be rude i want that to be funny
3: it's uh (laughs) it's it's i'll tell you what the tyrannosaurus rex is is everything that you need um i'm gonna cut out the last 30 seconds of the program no now i'm not now we can laugh about it (laughs) okay so, uh we were saying about um the dinosaurs though. Sincerely, I think that um I've been focusing a lot on. I just watched Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, that laugh. I will I will play that at some point maybe at the end. Um, <clears throat> I was watching that. I actually watched it twice. I don't even know how that happened. Um in 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 a week.
2: Uh 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 <laughs> Nedry. Oh, the magic. by the oh way, God, no it.
3: no spoilers for the uh, new film, but the Nedry and the canister finally gets rolled back into that new film. I know, my whole life as a child, I was like, oh, the sequel was going to have that canister. They covered it up with mud. Yeah, I always expected
2: no. the canister to have like a reappearance even in the first film. It
3: took until the sixth movie for them to finally be wow. like, aha, Nedry and the canister, we're going to come back to that. So heads up if you go see that. Um <laughs> That, that's all it took. Literally, I saw that I was playing the video game uh, strategy, like Jurassic Park strategy game, it was really fun, and it like had like uh, they were like here's a bit from like the new thing, and I saw that and I was like, well, now I have to see that movie when it comes to streaming. <laughs> Just that one seeing the barbasol canister was enough for me. <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of dinosaurs, did you know that um, that was Richard Attenborough, his brother, the guy, the 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 Jurassic Park man? I, I love that. Like, uh, I didn't know that until even after I'd mm-hmm. watched a bunch of Planet Earth, and I was like, mm-hmm. you know, that, they're similar. I wonder if that's like, no, and yeah, wild. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's the only bit of Jurassic Park trivia I can bring, other than the fact that uh, Jeff Goldblum, when he was laughing like that, I, I never actually connected it, because I watched the film, of course, as a child in 1993, mm-hmm. so I never connected. The reason that he's, la- I will explain to you, it's not, he's not laughing because he's goofy, Jeff Goldblum. He's laughing because he asks Dr. Grant, and um Oh. What uh Laura, Laura Dern, what's her what's her character's name?
2: I don't remember their names ever. Anyway, so like Sam like, Neil and like,
3: <laughs> Sam Neill, Neil and Laura yeah, Dern, actors. Actor and <laughs> they're sitting there in the helicopter. And uh and uh, Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> sitting there, he asks them, oh, so you guys digging up dinosaurs, you trying to dig up dinosaurs together or something like that? And Sam Neill goes, oh, trying to, as if they're, like, uh, they're trying to like start a family one day or something like that. And Laura Dern looks over to him and kind of goes like, mm. And then that's when Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum starts laughing, and I finally get that laugh. Maybe it took me until I was like 35 years old to finally understand what that laugh took to you know put together now it makes sense to me
2: so there is there is a whole other thesis so i also watched jurassic park recently in the last month i would say i actually have a whole thesis on motherhood oh. um because that's also uh, part of the conflict between sam Neill and laura dern's characters because she like loves kids and he doesn't
3: mm, yes yes he's, right uh, he's like kind that's of like, like their whole deal yeah
2: And so she's always, like, pushing the, like, grandchildren on Sam Neill to be like, she told me to ride with you. Mm -hmm. But then that becomes one of the, like, key plot points of Jurassic Park, which is that nature finds a way, right? Which is that women find a way to reproduce, even in the absence of these males but that's not a fiction. Yeah. That is like a real biological thing that happens in science. Not
3: to mention the And create. it was
2: just like I, like I that was one of the things that I I remember when I so right now that I rewatched Jurassic Park, I'm like, wait, how did they not know that? Like this like a uh, single gender primogeniture that happens in reptilian communities is actually kind of well known to anybody yeah. who studies reptiles. Yeah. How the fuck did the dinosaur scientists not know it? And yeah. so like that was this like break in reality where I was like, "Oh wait, but that's that's why Michael Crichton was able to write this book and that's why this becomes yeah. like interesting or funny, like, oh, look at these dipshits uh, having the audacity to think that they can control nature. Forgetting that nature always finds a way it becomes this classic man versus nature story.
3: Exactly. If 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 he had watched the Planet Earth episode with the Komodo dragon, he would know about um, uh, single gender reproduction, mm-hmm. uh, which is called uh, what's the what's the great term? It's called. Um,
2: I want to say it was pri- Genes- I don't know if Genesis. it's right. It's... Oh, epigenesis. Epi- I think.
3: Yeah. Epigenesis.
0: Hmm.
3: it's a a totally fascinating concept if you want to the listener wants to go check it out on like Wikipedia or whatever Um, many species uh, not you know uh, you know mostly obviously like reptiles things related but it's it's quite impressive Um, life does find a way in real life as it were I don't know if they explain that in the newer films because like it's more of like a thing to people would love to know these days but
2: well, it sounds like critical race theory, or something.
3: <laughs> well, we're talking about dinosaurs in this respect, so.
2: Yeah. Know. No, I mean, I mean, you know, again, I'm being like sarcastic, I know. I know. I know. obviously, right? I mean, I, I, I hope that my tone kind of conveys our that, but know. I always have to make sure that I put, you know, slash s at the end of, you know, whatever, just because, again, like a, uh, you know, you just never know. I want to make sure, and a- um.
3: This is a time where I like to to remind our audience I'm drinking a delicious Coke of Cola, Coke of Cola, um, original taste, um, and uh, you can be guaranteed that our ad dollars go right into our pocket.
2: Um, who was it recently that said that said they wanted to put the cocaine back in Coca Cola? Was that Mister uh, Miss Was that Mister Musk? <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Mister
3: Coca Cola. <laughs> I know Mr. that guy. I hung out with him a few times. It's weird goofy um elon musk though yeah i could definitely see that isn't he like secretly running a cocaine empire or something like that i know that this will technically i really want
2: to see an elon musk reality show because i feel like that's how he really actually gets canceled like it's it's because like there's um all of the elon musk acolytes like the people who like worship the ground he walks on, like, mm-hmm. there's no way they're gonna like mm. turn on him unless they like see him in his home and he's like,
3: If Elon, I don't must- know, there's like,
2: there's like some like, th- there's like some weird thing that he does in his house that like like i don't know like maybe his bag hutch is really out of order or something and they go oh that's like real cuck mode or something and they just turn on him like you know i what think it is. that's what it's gonna take
3: in my mind it's like um someone opens a door in his house somewhere and it's like the ark of the covenant from like Ray's the lost ark the light just comes out and whatever someone sees it's you know the x value there someone's seen a thing and it's too much for them and then they just uh get erased from existence essentially I think that's probably <laughs> figuratively. <laughs> they're yes. exposed
2: to a Tesla battery over time. Or over time,
3: yes, they get they get a brand new Tesla and it works perfectly as intended, and then you know everything works out fine, according to the news. Um, oh, so I've been watching a little bit of reality television lately.
0: Oh, Isn't tell me funny? more
3: um Mm -hmm. i've been watching a little bit oh before i get into my reality television i did watch something you mentioned in episode one or two um narrated by samuel l jackson i am not your negro i watched that which has actually does cut into reality television a little bit um they mention popular media especially they did they do get into reality television especially around the term ratchet and i was able to like finally able to have a discussion about kind of like that like here um, in the house and that was like and it is mentioned mm-hmm. in the book as well um, That's I get right. into that later mm-hmm. on um, I still want to like figure out how to w- everything I need to know my vocabulary to get into that topic specifically but um, I will um, but uh, that documentary was so eye-opening in a way that like I felt like you know at the beginning I was like okay well I'm gonna learn about this guy I didn't know much about James Baldwin before. Um, That was... How about this? It's like as if there was a person who knew a lot of important people in history and documented their lives, and then nobody gave a shit about making their voice or their story ever heard until about, I don't know, many years after they died, decades after they died. That's basically what happened. That's what this documentary reveals. If there was any justice in this world, that documentary would have existed in like the 80s. Um, or the 90s. But uh, please go watch that. It's available on Hulu for. I think if you just have regular Hulu, you can watch that. Please go watch that. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it, it definitely gets into history, but it definitely gets into today's world and popular media. And it came out in, I believe, 2014. <laughs> which means that it predates a lot of things but let me tell you when you watch it you're gonna be like oh was this made unless i looked at the year i was like oh is this made like a couple years ago so definitely tap into that definitely listen to that beautiful samuel l jackson narration um it's gonna open your eyes on a few things definitely did around here so watch that and then uh, i also uh, checked out survivor season three i'm not finished with it yet totally different gear change there yeah but survivor season 3 is actually pretty interesting um i'd say that they they had a, there was an opportunity that we saw coming that was definitely going to ruin the show and they made the executive decision to pull a, f- a like a fast one and basically reformulate how the show works so i'll just break it down for you cuz this is survivor season 3 and we're working on how the formula works cuz one day i'm going to get on survivor that's just a fact that's just inevitable that's how this will work obviously so survivor season three there's some people in one group there's some people in another it's just like every other survivor this time it's set in africa it is set um in uh like the african bush is essentially i I believe mm, i've been paying pretty close attention and i don't believe they've ever actually identified specifically where it is I'm sure they have, and if I look, go and look in the Wikipedia, but I'm not finished with it, so I don't want to, like, spoil myself or anything. I'm just taking it the visual experience. So they drop them off at basically what is, like, a little uh, uh, an encampment, some uh, mosquito nets and stuff. They have to basically build everything out of the surrounding wood, but they've uh, essentially established these camps that are, like... Um, thorn, collections of thorn bushes built in like a big ring and then they live within it. And these are like very desert conditions. So in this one, food is a factor, but water is the bigger factor here. So they're always like trying to, they have to like make trips to the watering hole and back. And, you know, obviously the division of labor about that, like some people are cool about, you know, getting up in the morning and doing everything and some people aren't. And this actually in one camp becomes like an age division. It becomes like the four younger people and the four um, older people. It used to be like Gen Xers and Boomers since this is 20 years ago. Um, and they they have, even at this time, I noticed, and I never really thought of this before. I never this, It was never visualized to me before, but even in 2001, October, November 2001, when it was airing, so I guess in the summer of that year. There was really generational division between the boomers and Gen Xers in a way that I had never. I mean, obviously, I wasn't party to it because I'm not one of those groups, but I had never like seen before. And like not just in the way like, oh, millennials, it was like he might as well just said, oh, Gen Xers. I mean, he did essentially. Yeah. I um, had never identified that before. And now it feels so like Gen my, X doesn't even my- exist. They just complain about millennials and it's for everyone from you to younger than me.
2: Yeah. So my brother was Gen X. And I say was. My brother passed a few years ago, but uh, he was uh, six years older than me. He was born in 75, very squarely in Gen X. And uh, there are a lot of things in our upbringing that I can attribute to the, I'll say, like cultural divide. My parents were born in Mexico. Me and my brother were born here in the United States, and not just in the States, but we were born like, like, the suburbs of Los Angeles, California, so we were, like, really, like, you know, dipshits, like, we were, like, hipster dipshits, right, for all intents and purposes, and um, so there are certainly things that I can ascribe to our cultural divisions, but quite a few of them, I feel, have been universal through my peers across all cultures that are generational, right, like, um, I do feel like Uh, I don't want to over exaggerate the effect that grunge as a thing, as a phenomenon, as a cultural phenomenon had on distinguishing that like divide of the new generation, right? Like, yes, every generation is always like, oh, it sounds so different. Right. But like, did Elvis really sound that different from Glenn Miller? I don't think so. Personally, Mm -hmm. right? Like, but there was something about like, uh, uh, to me, it also feels like that divide between like folk music and Bob Dylan going electric, where it was like, oh my God, this is like truly modern. It wasn't just like the cultural divide. It was also like an, like it was like a industrial society and its consequences, right? Grunge was also that because it was also this like, it's um, the kids who grew up post-Kennedy and I think that is also really big. And I don't want to just say that because I just watched JFK and I just watched The Irishman with Jimmy Hoffa, right? Like, It does feel like that was like a really huge turning point, just like 9-11 is a huge turning point, And just like the coronavirus crisis and all of its uh, associated consequences, including the summer uprisings around George Floyd, like those seem really consequential. I really feel like these... These are the kinds of things that do distinguish one generation from another. You either grew up with Vietnam or you didn't. You either grew up with the Great Depression or you didn't, right? You either grew up with the coronavirus or you didn't. Um, You either grew up with the internet or you didn't. So I don't know, I'm just thinking about how those things also impact our view of reality. Um, It was after Vietnam that wars are not shown on television anymore. And then 9-11 happens and we're bombarded 24-7 with images because we now have cable news. Like it's really interesting to see those divisions between when we're saturated, oversaturated, and then we're like in this famine of information, which is where I think we are right now. Um despite the fact that we're like overloaded with information and tweets and articles, I still feel like I I feel like I don't know
3: anything. Yes. Yes. I would say this. Um, it's a lot of people saying similar, same things. And so because there's so much uh, noise around specific topics of thought and threads, that I mean, everything gets lost. And let's say your friend even says the most novel thing that, you know, you're going to hear all day or interesting or whatever on Twitter. Your timeline might not even pick it up. and might not even see it. So, you know. One, I do encourage you to put all your friends on like the notification, not to actually turn off notifications on Twitter, never use that, but then use the mention tab to click the notification thing so that you can get your little timeline that's just like the people that you want. That's actually what you should use it for. Um, I would also say um, curate your list of people you follow on Twitter um, very closely and try to, I don't know, just uh, be curious and cautious of everyone who you follow um that's just a general tip to online friends out there um
2: and here's another one so like i've actually muted the words russia and ukraine mm -hmm. as an example uh pick any topic right and i've probably muted quite a few of the keywords and yet i feel incredibly well informed because news still gets through
3: yeah I mean, I pick up the even paper. if they
2: don't use those exact words. Right. It just feels like it's like I'm no longer drinking from the firehouse.
3: Yeah, because I pick up, uh, you know, four or five papers from my driveway every morning. And and when I open them up, I get to see all the great headlines. And so I get to see all that top stuff. But and then I get to see the headlines and then I open up to like page two. And then I look at all the other stories that aren't those because. I can't read those anymore. I was reading those for two months straight and I was just reading that and I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm not.
2: So I have a (laughs) few pretty key subscriptions to news publications. Um, I I try to subscribe locally. Mm -hmm. So like high country news is one of my favorites. Hmm. Um, But I'm also a member of a variety of professional associations um, because of a just, my resume I'll say mm-hmm. um one of the groups to which i belong is the American Public Health Association i was tweeting about this earlier and i get the newsletter the news <laughs> the new... i get the newsletter it's called the nation's health and i i mean you can't see it but cuz it's on I'm, I'm oh on it's my... greened out yeah oh yeah it's can... greened out
3: no yeah. hold
2: on there kind of is okay closer to battleax called... <laughs> yeah it's it's called the nation's health okay. but um I was reading through it earlier today because i i got it in my mailbox and i was uh i was just kind of stunned at how depressing all the headlines are yes like just kind of across the board
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and even when there's like a bright spot in between right like so i'm just gonna like open to like a random page that has headlines let me see um yeah i
3: have a couple i have one sitting right in front of me i'll when you i'll, I'll let you show yours and...
2: I mean, it's 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 just unpleasant, right? Which is like, yeah, like this one is so, like, banning menthol would help 1.3 million smokers quit, but it's got this like weird racial angle, mm-hmm. and yet on the same, uh, like in the same fucking edition or whatever, there's a whole article on like racial discrimination in the medical industry, and I'm like, I, I felt like they they didn't read their own fucking publication
1: or like, something
2: you know like 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 it was part of this like both sides bullshit or something that's in here and uh i don't know it just um
3: i look at stuff i like feel this. like i
2: can't read anything these days without feeling gross and disgusting yes
3: i look at stuff like this like here's the, here's an issue of the new yorker right this is the you know the week of the the, the shooting and everything right it's covered with mm-hmm. chalk outlines of like children on the back it's like an advertisement for let's go see wicked on broadway right okay here's the next one People magazine that week, 21 lives, and it has, like, the, the pictures of all the children. Like, how is this not, and on the back, here's a list, of, a company advertising, you can see at the bottom, there's a list of all, the, like, the major mass shootings in, like, the last 10, 15 years, right? Here's another, one. look. Um, this one in this New York Times uh, magazine, like, on the inside of it, is just, like, a big story. It's the whole thing. It's, like... How is this not like, in some way, definitely like profiteering? Essentially, it's war. Yeah. It's war profiteering, honestly, because it's it's a never-ending conflict. The. All I'm saying it's is, it's now you just need to a conflict
2: it. with ourselves. Yeah, yes. no, I feel gross. You need to cover. T- like at. But. Yeah.
3: It's not being covered in. It's not being covered in the way it probably should be. That's all I'm gonna
2: say. Yeah. Um, this has also actually been, um. Uh, one of the things I don't think we've discussed um, is how we limit our media in order to make ourselves sane. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah.
2: yeah. So I, I have a, um, I, I personally have two phone numbers. I have my personal phone number and I have my work phone number. Yeah, I do
3: too.
2: So. And um, I actually haven't even turned on my personal phone for the last three months.
3: Yes. Uh, The the Um, phone number I give out for that 505 number is my, technically, but I just don't even, I haven't turned it on. I don't even use it.
2: I've been trying to explain to my friends that I have this, like, weird agoraphobia, But it's not like it's just like that's the closest word I have to it. It's 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 not really like because I'm not like afraid of it. I don't. It's like I, I can go outside. I can go to the grocery store. I can go to work. I yeah. can. I even you know I can even go to the bar and have a beer by myself. But by myself is I think kind of like the key point, which is like, um, I don't know. There's this like weird like oversaturation of people. Because of like reality TV, because of the news, because of like reality, like like reality, reality again. Like, I mean, I, I've kind of discussed like I work in a very public facing profession that is also going through a bunch of like real shit, you know, so escapism doesn't seem appealing to me.
3: I Um, Mm, yes, this is something I've been thinking about a lot. It feels almost irresponsible. And then, but the thing is that you need sometimes some time to be irresponsible. And then, uh, yeah.
2: Well, I feel like it's like the kind of escapism that I've been doing has been very different. I've been like, even though I've been watching more reality TV, it's been with this critical lens. Yeah. I've been watching documentary film like in biographies, so like another thing that i uh so in addition to this like back-to-back three-hour conspiracy bullshit, <laughs> um uh my partner and i were talking about films that changed our lives right like what piece uh, of media has like you yeah. know so like whether this was music or a book uh-huh. right like whatever right and so when i was a child uh charlotte's web is the book that turned me into a reader right it's the book that like put me on like oh like wilbur the pig like changed my life like without a joke right so uh, be- but i was like seven or whatever you know um mine, but if i think about around. like films right like i think about kubrick or i think about kurosawa but i really think about like jodorowsky's uh holy mountain um Which to me was like a big deal, not just because of like, it's like metaphysical themes, but it's political themes. I I always liked him. But anyway, so we watched the Jodorowsky uh, biopic, uh, autobiographical thing that he did called The Dance of Reality, um, which to me is a really beautiful film. but anyway, like, in those contexts, talking about, like, the things that changed our lives, these pieces of media that, like, really impacted us, um, there was something in Danielle's book where she started talking about RuPaul and RuPaul's oh, yeah. Drag Race. Yeah. Um, and this was something that actually impacted me as, like, a lady, mm-hmm. uh, as a female, okay. right? Um, uh, my – so – and – my parents I, I would not say are the most progressive people in the entire universe um they're not capital c Repu- like conservative republicans or anything yeah my dad was a small c conservative but he like voted for schwarzenegger in the california governor's race supported change. bush okay. right like yeah. he was like he and i think i suspect that if he were still alive he probably would have been a latino for trump that said They absolutely loved the history of um, cross-dressing performers who imitated famous Mexican singers. Um, And this was, like, this huge thing culturally that existed in Mexican culture in the 70s and 80s. Okay. And so from a young age, my parents would take me and my brother to these, like, Vegas stage shows that oh. happened in East Los Angeles mm. of, like, drag performers imitating, like, Celia Cruz. They would imitate, like, Rocio Durcal. They would imitate, like, um, just, just like, you know, uh, Mexican actresses of the time, maybe Rita Hayworth, maybe Marilyn Monroe. Huh. And they were, like, state. They, they were drag shows, but they were performed as male imitators of famous Mexican actresses. My parents loved these things. We would always go to these shows. It was always, like, a big deal, and my parents were, like, incredibly open-minded when it came to, like, LGBTQ issues. This is something... So, like, when I hear people are like, oh, like, drag queen story hours, like, it's, like, a new thing. And I'm like, where? I'm like, because my parents were taking me to drag shows, even if they weren't called drag shows back then, that's exactly what they were. We loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, And my parents, for whatever conservative, small C Catholic values they might've had, actually raised us incredibly, for that time, tolerant, accepting, welcoming, of like the drag and queer community. Hmm. Um, I, I've been having like a really hard time squaring this dialogue lately with my own personal experience of my, that my parents gave me. Um, yeah. cause it was like completely like, oh no, that's just what they do for a living. Hmm. Moving on.
3: Interesting. Yeah. I try to, let me see if I can like characterize. If I said my parents were, uh, Key West Republicans, would that make any sense to you? Would that?
2: Um I would imagine um because I don't know that they, the, the, they the, wouldn't I mean, identify Key themselves as that. Like I don't know what they
3: would even identify themselves as, but that's what they would identify themselves as
2: I would imagine like orange county shit lib
3: yeah, uh no, yeah, okay, interesting uh no no they're 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 very conservative uh they grew up both in Catholic went to Catholic schools and stuff like that um but yeah we're we're very different people but um, mm. I definitely and and there wasn't um there wasn't like the the, I guess there was. Very little friendliness to that community when I was growing up. I wouldn't say that's the case now. You know, it's different now, but not back then. Not in the formative years. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, but although I would say characterization similarly at large of of the family. So that's kind of fascinating. Um, small mm. small C uh, Catholic as well. Same thing with that too.
2: Yeah, they didn't raise us in the church. Like, my mom was basically like, could you do your first communion because your grandmother wants you to? Like, but it wasn't like pressure from her. It was more like, she's pressuring me to pressure you if that's okay. And I was like, that sucks. But I get it that once once that's done, you're probably not going to give a shit whether I go to church or not. And that was basically the case. So I was like, yeah, I'll put on a fucking fancy dress and going to church and i I don't i I think i lied to the priest i don't think i really confessed
3: oh no i never confessed (laughs) the truth i probably not i don't think so but um i (laughs) definitely went through ccd and all that i went through like communion and i think i almost got the confirmation i don't i think i actually finished it but that's what i can remember at least
2: so one of my biggest like like um i'll say uh sore spots Mm -hmm. is that um in in los angeles most people bought their first communion which is to say you would go down to like tj tijuana pay someone and you wouldn't actually have to go through catechism but my Uh. parents were like well we're not going to be able to fool your grandmother so you're gonna have to actually go through (laughs) catechism and through like sunday school classes and i was like no so um to this day i still can only say my prayers in spanish okay I took uh, catechism in Spanish, and uh, but it helped when I was like, oh, I want to read Latin.
3: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, um, I don't remember too much about the specifics. I know all like the main Catholic prayers, and that's basically it. Those are cemented into your head if they teach into you young enough, for sure. Believe me, mm-hmm. by the time I was five, I probably knew all those pretty well um but yeah i spent little- oh and i
2: mean don't put me in like the same the room it's like a censor. like yeah. like if the priest is like doing like high mass <laughs> and there's like incense and shit i'll start weeping like it yeah. just you know i start like saying hallelujah the whole deal like no. it just it oh, just, yeah. it, i just can't help mm-hmm. it like, no it just, i mean it, the last I just time get caught up in the moment
3: i went to uh a- but i
2: would do the same thing of like i were at nascar <laughs>
3: I went to a Christmas exactly. Me too. I went to a Chris or a baseball game, whatever you know. Or if yeah. I haven't been to a basketball game, but I'm sure I get excited and go crazy and do whatever the fans were doing there. Oh no, you would be
2: game. like done, 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 done. No, you'd be fucking losing it and <laughs> fucking. Is it still called Staples Center? It's Crypto Arena, but have they changed it yet?
3: Crypto, the the <laughs> one in which one the 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 LA one. The
2: downtown LA one, yeah. Because yeah. they changed they changed Staples Center
3: the one because the
2: staples the heat like the most is, obsolete thing in the whole wide world
3: yeah heat uh became in the crypto
2: center the crypto. second crypto. most com. obsolete thing
3: mm-hmm. i love how many different companies there are in crypto is that they're all named crypto but there's like eight different ones they're like crypto.com crypto corp and there's like crypto exchange and ftx is like the other one that's like i swear there's several that are just three letter abbreviations as well um
2: well and i swear to god that like for me like the concept of bitcoin like is really connected to the magic the gathering online exchange uh-huh. and so for it me is. like yeah. i just it can't sound like not a joke like Ma- there's no, like everything was always about like my, like I could probably go back into my Twitter. Uh, in fact, I probably should. I'm going to go back in right now and see how many Bitcoin tweets from 2012.
3: You do that real quick. I've made. And I'm going to, I'm <laughs> going to talk to the, the audience about a little uh, well-timed. I don't know if you were thinking about this at all, but um, tomorrow I will be recording a podcast with an anonymous guest who will be talking to us about, um, it'll be for the other podcast, I guess. Um, but it'll, uh, I'll be talking about crypto exchanges, um, at large, but, um, from someone who, uh, lives on the inside of them and did back then 2017 and, and, does now. So, um, they will be an unnamed person, but they will bring us an interview that I guarantee will be, um, interesting as hell. Um, the Bitcoin, the whole world, My introduction to it was a long time ago. I met this dude um, when I was visiting Orlando to see a friend. He offered me, like, five Bitcoin for, like, $20 or something like that. This was – and he was, like, a guy who was, like, working on Ethereum at the time. He was, like, helping build Ethereum, so he was, like, really into it. He was a goon. They were – I remember he wanted me to go to Mt. Gox to, like, buy the crypto at that point and stuff. And I, you know, at the time I was like, no, like, what is this? And I was, like, into the techno world. I was down with GPUs. I had, like, an awesome video card for my – gaming rig at the time i could have like figured out how to mine all kinds of bitcoin back then but and i was you know hacking hardware i was modding xbox 360s to play games illegally and all this stuff i was doing all those things uh parody it's all parody and satire i didn't do any of those things um,
0: uh, my
2: first bitcoin mention is from june 13th 2011 there you go. but it has like one two three four five six seven eight nine words that are not in the bible so i am not retweeting that one
3: i am um (laughs) it's really funny if you think about how really mount gox the the magic the gathering online trading exchange is really like uh is is if you think about the kind of person that would create crypto that that's the place where crypto would be traded everything makes sense to this day the fact that um you know the main sponsor of like baseball umpires is ftx it all makes sense
2: wow um, i am uh, i am having a time going through my bitcoin history
3: <laughs> i've said so many things uh luckily kathy I did one make one good choice back in 20 the beginning of 2016 I deleted all my tweets before that point but you know what I probably never talked about Bitcoin before then either so I, I don't. so
2: I will also uh, I am also very very proud to say
3: mm-hmm.
2: that um, my Bitcoin history goes 2011 and then I don't mention it at all again until 2014. Mm-hmm. And then I don't mention it again until 2020. So.
3: Wow, that's a good record. I feel,
2: yeah. So I feel like I'm very, very proud of myself. I'm gonna retweet my, uh, I'll say my best 2020 tweet, and then I'm just gonna leave it alone.
3: <laughs> oh. Oh Lord. So I've been watching a little more Kardashians too.
2: <laughs> oh. Um, oh, so uh, in the introduction of Danielle's book, she mm-hmm. does this challenge.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's literally the opening line of the introduction. Oh, yes,
3: please. Listeners at home. Can I read it? Get out a little index card, it? please. Get out a little piece yes. of paper and a pen and then listen to what Kathy is about to say. Great. Okay. Get ready? Okay, go.
2: So this is my favorite thing. I went to the bar. I immediately sat down and did it and started <laughs> immediately cracking up while I was doing it. <laughs> introduction make two lists in column a write down as many current u.s supreme court justices as you can name just off the top of your head in column b do the same but with the kardashians okay so brian as you know i was in law school for a couple of years Mm -hmm. Not only that, I pay very close attention to the fact that today, just today, they release like, I don't know, like about a dozen decisions.
0: Mm-hmm. I
2: know these motherfuckers' names. I had to study them. I had to like remember them. I had to be able to go up in front of my, <laughs> my constitutional law class and give like a history from like beginning to end. Okay. Yeah. Like I've done this. Mm-hmm. I've been ready.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I have watched, I think, maybe like a handful of episodes of the Kardashians. Uh I was able to name uh, one, two, three, four, five, six of the the nine justices Mm -hmm. could not remember the name of Justice Roberts, who I had to look up when I got back because I was like, what is the name of the chief justice? And I knew I couldn't remember him, and I couldn't remember it until I walked in the door at home, but it didn't count right because i couldn't remember it in that moment exactly however i was able to name kim one two three of her partners one of her children chloe and lamar courtney chris Caitlin, Caitlin's dead name Uh kendall who has now married travis barker and like i was able to like go I don't even know if Justice Souter is still on the Supreme Court. Like, I started, like, doubting myself even while I was sure about the Kardashians. Even though I studied the fucking Supreme Court for, like, two and a half years.
3: I know. What the fuck? I know. And, 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 and uh, in Professor Lindemann's case in the book, she mentions that only one out of 200 students in the lecture could actually do it one mm-hmm. one could name nine i think she said three named eight
0: mm-hmm.
3: um mm-hmm. and who knows that could have been any of those students could have been in any number of things those any of those could have been and lawsuits.
2: only yeah. one person was able to name more supreme court people than kardashian folks exactly. like but i was having that same struggle like, and again, I studied the Supreme Court, but didn't, never, have not even watched more than a handful of Kardashian episodes.
3: It's completely, right? it's a groundbreaking question that I believe mm-hmm. is at the core, and she does ask at the beginning, I think, to make us make this think about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You, you Viewers at home, without even buying the book, just go ahead and ask that to your friends. See, just because, you know, the Supreme Court's on everyone's uh, tongue these days. Go ahead and... Uh, Do that experiment, see if they can name more Supreme Court justices or members of the Kardashian family. Yep. And I bet you. Mind you, also,
2: like the Supreme Court justices are totally in the news right now because, like, we're all like awaiting Roe v. Wade. They're doing all kinds of dumb bullshit around, like, Medicare and Social Security. Mm -hmm. And, like, I think they're about to, like, wave Miranda warnings and shit. Yeah. Like, if this is a moment when people know about the Supreme Court, this is it.
3: Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I read the the introduction of the book, and I, I looked at all those things on there, and um, and I, uh, the introduction makes the case for the entire book and makes you want to read mm-hmm. the rest of it, which is very well. Um, but I was like blown away, and, and I hope I hope you, as you continue to read through it, you find more uh, like pieces in there, some details um because this even the categories, just like cracking being like oh what's this category about you can go in there and you're going to be blown away there's a lot of food for thought i have found myself pausing constantly like oh wow that's a really good point i need to take the time to unpack this and think about all the things that this kind of reflects and um the more you read uh and the more and you'll find a lot of your uh a lot of the assumptions that we've made through the program once again uh bringing up from the beginning of the podcast like Mm -hmm. we a lot of assumptions like she she got there too so it's good to see and there's a lot of things that i never thought about um so it's good to yeah. expand our vocabulary and together um have this larger um i don't know space to discuss all this stuff because uh, like i said mm-hmm. we're expanding past just reality television we're going to talk about whatever we want well the
2: other the other thing that i've actually been appreciating is that because danielle is like a trained sociologist and you and i are just like dipshits who love yeah. pop culture oh, yeah. essentially exactly. right yeah. like that's us um that she's putting like these sociological or academic like defined terms to these things that i've been thinking about yes right so i can go oh like so so like like i don't want to say like again like we, you know i made this joke earlier that it's like it's like Leibniz and newton arriving at the same conclusion right but like It it does feel nice as a lay person, a non-sociologist, to be like, am I seeing the world the way other people see the world, I guess? It just feels like I'm not making it up, right? Like it feels something, there's something comforting about knowing that my reality isn't completely only in my head that you're seeing it brian that danielle is seeing it right that like we're seeing it maybe through reality tv but like we're also seeing it as we talk about Oliver Stone's JFK or we're talking about like just going to the bar and talking to people or yeah. like how do I interact with my coworkers every day right like these are the realities we're mediating every day um as she also points out sociologists tell us like all the world's a stage we're always acting um as a woman of color I know I'm always code switching using like using the fact that I have to navigate through different spaces to like put on different masks, put on different personas, yeah. different outfits, right? Another thing that law school taught me was like, man, did I get treated really differently whether I was wearing this Sun Records t-shirt versus a fucking Chanel or a you know, one Christian Dior suit, right? If, even if I picked it up secondhand. Even if it was a knockoff right because they didn't fucking know that either right they don't know shit about fashion no one's like they don't know that i picked it up at the ross dress for less yeah Yeah, they don't know that right like (laughs) they don't know that i picked it up for 15 dollars in los angeles at a thrift store (laughs) right i just look amazing right that's the
3: goal that's the goal and that's
2: the goal right um by the way on that i want to also mention that um on HBO Max, they have mm-hmm. this um, uh, like little mini like docu series. Each episode's like ten minutes about like fashion in the movie industry okay. and how fashion started to intersect between all of these fictions and these realities the way that fashion designers were designing not just for Catherine Hepburn the actress but Catherine Hepburn the person okay. Marlena Dietrich the actress yeah. and also wow. Marlena Dietrich the person yeah. so that also started to really get into um, these other aspects of how we've started to manufacture our images through fashion Instagram posts these like images of who we are and what we do um uh, how we signify the subcultures that we belong to through our fashion uh what does it mean to wear crocs wow versus doc martens right what does it mean to wear a sun records t-shirt versus uh, um a supreme t-shirt yeah You know any of those things right what what do those signal when we're walking around on a day-to-day basis and how does that also inform create the reality that we're walking through it's just it's just all of it becomes this part of this performance truly all the world's a stage Yes.
3: are we looking to attract are we looking to push away are we looking to fit in are we looking to just be ignored all those things can be projected with fashion, and yeah, it's it's um, it's absolutely worth looking into, especially as we get into some of the fashion-related reality shows, as to use as like the the. Um the yeah, we really need discussion. to have
2: a whole RuPaul Project Runway yeah. discussion.
3: <clears throat> we'll have to watch. Especially, some I got episodes. to this like yeah. Mm. I think that's yes. the best way to do it, just because there's like with that show specifically, there's like a zillion million episodes, and mm-hmm. it covers a long period of time. And you having been a viewer of that, it would be good to if you could select perhaps specific okay. spots we should pop in. I'm gonna in go
2: that. through some some of the. Uh, Maybe I'll go through, like, the seasons, because some of the seasons are better than, I'll say better than others in in regards to how you and I have been discussing this. Yeah,
3: like, con- yeah, things to note.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's I'll think about see. that one. But, yeah, yeah, the good, the good professor wrote us a textbook to back ourselves up on, and, uh, and I, I love that. Cause uh, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, if we didn't have the textbook and we were sitting here right now talking about all these things, um, it might be a little bit different. But I don't know. We would still be doing it.
2: Not that we'd be floundering. No, exactly. But
3: we got a. Jo- I, would I think feel we got like, a- like
2: less sure about what you and I have been discussing. Right, like again, like, I don't want to be like, well, she's like an expert and I want to like, you know, do that. Right. I I have as much doubt about experts as anyone does, I Mm -hmm. think. But um, I do put value in the fact that someone has been investigating this, studying this, like just putting time into it. Right. Like, because of all the things that a person could put their time and dedication into, it's like, well, why not this right it's it's as valid as anything else and i i'm glad that she thinks so too right because that's uh that seems to also be part of the friction which is that a lot of people don't take this shit seriously even though it seems to be having incredible ramifications, she talks about Donald Trump. I keep coming mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. But it started also with Reagan. Reagan was the Screen Actors' Guild president. He was an actor who yeah. moved into fucking politics. Yeah, we can blame California, the leftist fucking bastion. Yeah, IMO. Again, my dad was a fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger voting Republican in California, yeah. Yeah. right? And this, this, he was a Latino for Schwarzenegger. What the fuck, right? Like He was a Latino for um, Pete Wilson.
3: Oh, there's a name. You have
2: no idea what a fucking betrayal that shit was for me. Anyway, that's a you different can,
3: story. You can, uh, you can <laughs> fill me in. I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, Kathy. Um, there's so much that uh, we can learn about the world each other in front of these microphones and the reason that i record most of what we say in front of the microphones almost you know 95 99 of it (coughs) is because i want the world to experience this whole situation uh kind of from where we are the only i mean the only time we really uh send any like you know textual communication to be like hey are you going to be there at six o'clock yes okay that's pretty much it otherwise we're sending links or like oh here'd be a funny thing to talk about that's it um and and even then we don't actually discuss the things that we send back and forth it's like here's a message mm-hmm. no reply mm-hmm. that's what we do that's, and i actually <laughs> kind of like that because it's like here's some notes that maybe we'll look at or this will help me remember just by having mm-hmm. done an extra step and to mm-hmm. me i don't know I, I i love that um so yeah if you're wondering out there if you can do a podcast with your friends the answer is yes because you've seen what we've done right here <laughs> that's my answer uh if that doesn't well, encourage I th- you to critically. Th- I think I don't really know
2: what will. <laughs> I finally I feel like really what it is, it's like I find all of this shit fascinating. Yes. I feel like this is what I do when I'm on the couch anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like I'm I'm thinking about the things that I'm consuming visually through my Twitter, like out in the world. Like I feel like I'm always kind of walking through the world critically. I feel like oof, I feel like especially now. I don't want to say that um maybe here's another word that I want to use to describe myself. Um I've always described myself as hypervigilant.
3: Yes, I know what that um, is. I, I've described myself as that to a doctor a couple times, yeah.
2: Yeah, same. Um and I don't want to be all like, "Ooh, my adverse childhood experiences score mm. or whatever." But like that's true, right? Like I do believe that's where my hypervigilance has come from, but even as I became more aware of it, I decided that I actually like it. That my yeah. hypervigilance has actually been more of an asset than it has been a hindrance and yes. that just because I am hypervigilant doesn't mean I have to be anxious about it, let's yeah. say. Um
3: I'm a pretty relaxed person. But guy, all that as
2: a way of saying, yeah, I think I'm pretty chill. I yeah. think my friends would agree, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um but all that as a way of saying like uh I don't think that I've stopped being that kind of hyper vigilant even when I'm like in my own home, right. literally just watching what's on TV. Like exactly. I'm as vigilant then as I am when I'm like on Bourbon Street or when I'm on I'm at the Albertsons. Right. Or I'm on the highway. Like I'm as aware of what's coming at me what is the stimulus what is the response it's trying to get out of me Mm -hmm. right like i I don't think that that has changed in fact like i think i'm more aware of the fact that like it's when i'm passive then i should that i should be most on guard
3: yes yes i would even say this through examining my relationship with that kind of um living scenario uh, I've been able to extract s- the value from it while leaving most of what initially caused me an overwhelming amount of anxiety to begin with. So I've been able to basically figure out, like, okay, what's my body telling me? It's telling me this. Don't really care about the other mm-hmm. shit. This is irrelevant. Um, you know, it means like, like, at this point, I'm so fucking detached from my mental processes that, like, having a tattoo is like, it doesn't even, I don't even feel it. I'm just like, oh, well, how's it going? I'm mentally somewhere else entirely. And th- No, in fact, I've taken the pain compartment of my brain and put it off somewhere else while I'm having a conversation with the mm-hmm. tattoo artist. Like, I don't know. <clears throat> There's an interesting way, uh, I will say this. If you read this book and you dive into this world and you start thinking about things in different ways, you're gonna learn a lot of different things about viewing things and how you view things and the more that you view things in your own preferred way or can construct some kind of control in your own life over how you view things and take in content and just be aware of what it's doing for you i mean you can learn two three times ten times as much as you wouldn't learn about a single thing just by watching it with a keen eye and if you're listening to this program this long or this much or you're listening to this program at all i bet that you have a little bit of insight on that yourself and um i just run with it you know
2: um i also feel like uh I want to put danielle on and and her book on the same kind of i'll I'll say pedestal that i will put like the platonic dialogues and that may sound dramatic but it's because it's still getting me to say how do you view society and how does that help you view yourself know thyself is still the like fundamental philosophical task that we have in front of us as humans, I believe you're, no one's going to be able to like convince me otherwise, but I feel like uh, this book, this process, this, these conversations even have actually been helping me do that. I actually feel Uh way more secure in myself as I've been like, uh, I feel like stronger against Uh, like whatever fucking ephemera the television is showing me.
3: Absolutely. It's actually kind of incredible. I feel the same way and I, I haven't really been able to put words to it, but that is really the truth. And I think that, um, uh, I hope that someone else at home, even if one person at home is having that kind of an interesting, uh, introspectual experience, even 5% of that hell, then we did it, uh, successfully. And what, I mean, uh, I think that yeah.
2: you—I think that you and I are having it is plenty, you know. Hey, I that's good like enough for that, me. Hey, that's badass. There's, there's, you just—I don't know how much you just saved me on co-pays.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, when it's yeah, I mean, hey, we have a fixed um, schedule even so. <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: right. <laughs> kids, kind of like that sometimes, except that uh, your your um, your therapist would never ask you for uh, recorded audio from, <laughs> from New Orleans streets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or... i
2: don't know they might my fucking therapists who knows?
3: <laughs> so <laughs> i have i have a homework list here that i'm just looking at before we go okay i want to watch the movie jfk because i haven't seen it mm. in a very very long time i have really no functioning mm-hmm. memory of it and i want to s- uh, there was another show wasn't there a tv show we were talking on not like a reality show maybe but something something you watched maybe or hmm you know what? I'll leave that for, for the notes. Maybe I'll ask you later. Okay. But definitely going to watch JFK, viewers at home, if you would like to do a little homework with me. Watch JFK. Here's another movie I might watch. I'm going to watch all of Friday the 13th, and we're also going to talk about that. Why? And you'll find out. You'll find out. What's okay. it called? Friday the 13th.
2: <laughs> oh, Friday the 13th.
3: Yes. And we'll talk about Friday the 13th. Um, that's it. And JFK. And, and uh, okay. uh, you can watch any, either or none of those, and it'll still be an enjoyable episode next time, I promise you.
2: Well, I am delighted to talk. I I want to feel, like, so since I just watched JFK and you're about to watch it, uh-huh. I'm going to try to find JFK-related media and reality media.
3: And should I watch that new um jf isn't there like a new version of jfk it's like recut or something am i supposed to watch that now
2: there's so there's like okay so i know that there's like the original cut of jfk Uh which is already like two and a half hours long and then there's like a director's cut which like adds another 40 minutes yeah i didn't watch the director's cut um but i do feel like there's a bunch about like Jackie Onassis and after the assassination that I haven't dived into. I feel like there's a lot about Lyndon B. Johnson that I haven't dived into after the assassination. Um, uh, My partner, he's a he's a history major himself. So we actually had some conversations about the Warren Commission. right? (laughs) Cool. We've been having some real nerd nerd hours but um that's good anyway so i want to i want to find other jfk related media um and i'll I'll this is what i'll do in the next week that's what i'll focus on do watch jfk all right and i'll just drop shit into the dm chats as i find interesting things and if i think it's bullshit i'll be like this is bullshit don't bother but watch this one at 30 minute mark or whatever
3: okay well, I'm gonna I'm gonna work real hard on um, when I say Friday the 13th, I mean it. So so everyone everyone watch Friday the 13th. We're gonna have an audio adventure. I'm gonna try to see if I can get the audio over to Kathy in the next episode. We'll see. But it'll be a fun, I also fun just watched surprise. The
2: Wicker Man as far as horror movies are concerned, wow. and that feel really real the, because The Wicker Man is one of the like most real
3: the Nick Cage horror one? movies
2: that I can. No, the original one.
3: Oh, okay. Yes, I, I haven't seen either. Although I know their legacy is uh, tense, scary films. So
2: it's the solstice. Go, go watch. I mean, Ooh, I should watch. So the Wicker the Man. Ha- too. <laughs> yeah. So the Wicker Man happens on May Day as summer is coming in. So it might be a good way to like just celebrate like the height of summer at the moment. So you know still light out. Cool. You should watch it.
3: Well, the outro music is already playing. Um, yes. Kathy, you can choose right now. What, is, what has been playing for the last 15 seconds? What, what song? Was
2: it? um, it's that song I sent you that was done by that reality star. Okay. <laughs> Either that or put Paris Hilton's Stars are Blind. Wow. I'm really,
3: favorite. really enjoying the song right now. This is fantastic. This is closing out the show. Kathy, um, the music is playing. It's been a wonderful time. Thank you so much for coming.
2: All for did all we even do an time. intro this time?
3: Oh, so uh, so by the <laughs> way, let's see. Um, this has been
2: over. Record the intro yeah, at the end.
3: This is uh, no. i will just we'll just we'll just go with this right now. Hello, everyone. This has been Reality Issues, episode thirteen. This is season two. Uh, we're breaking into episode two. In fact, it is eight oh eight p.m. and the show is over. And that's it. Uh, have God to go bless home. you. You have to go home now. Goodbye.